This is the podcast of Grandview Baptist Church in Anchorage, Alaska. This episode contains a sermon from October 23rd by Brother Todd Burgess, titled Matthew chapter 5, verse 21. As we go through here in Matthew 5, we have seen those attitudes that Jesus wants to instill in each and every one of us. And that's done by the Holy Spirit of God that's in us. And so if you're not a child of God, then you're not able to have those attitudes put into your life. Because it's what God's Holy Spirit does for us. And we have learned that as Christians, as Christians, we cannot produce those attitudes on ourselves by ourselves and so we have to realize that and so Jesus taught those attitudes that he wants to instill in us and he gave us gave us examples of being salt and being light as to the proof that he is working in our lives because we should be like those those two uh, idioms that he that he illustrated but now in verses 21 through the end of the chapter Jesus now is going to reveal how those faithful attitudes in each and every one of us is going to confront our own self-righteousness as we as Christians still have. Because after all, we are living in this body of flesh that is corruptible, that still succumbs to sin. And as the, as the attitude that, uh, of Christ, the Holy Spirit in us is teaching us and, and instilling in us what we're going to see is we have to be honest with ourselves, acknowledge what the Holy Spirit is doing in our, in our lives, and, it's going, and, and realize that we're, we are going to, the, for the rest of our lives, while we live on this earth, be confronting our own self-righteousness because that's what's going to happen when we sin. We're allowing our own self-righteousness, our own physical nature, nature of this body to result in us sinning. And so Jesus is going to go through here and begin to teach this. And so the theme basically of, of, of these last 27 some verses are about faithful attitudes that confront self-righteousness. Confronting self-righteousness. Now for us as a Christian that's important because if we're going to live in the spirit of God Self has to be denied. But for those that do not know Christ, they have to come to the point to realize that they, there's nothing they can do to earn salvation. It's all through the work of Christ. And so these messages preach both directions. And so we're going to see in the rest of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount that in these passages, he is going to expand and explain the law that has been lost. Not only in Jesus' day during the legalistic teaching there, but many times throughout the age of the church has been lost. And so we need to take that into, into account. And so in expanding and clearly explaining the law, Jesus will ultimately lead his disciples to understand that it's not simply what's on the outside that counts. It's not those external sinful actions that are just being condemned, but it's the internal attitudes and motives 
that lead us to those sinful external actions. And that's what Jesus is going to be teaching here. And because until those attitudes are changed within the child of God, the sin will continue to grow. And that sin will take you further than you ever wanted to go. It'll lead you down this dark spiral that ultimately, if gone unchecked, will lead to death. Not spiritual death because you're a child of God, but will lead to, to physical death. And so we need to understand this. See, it's all about being a selfish or selfless follower of Christ. And I don't know about you, I hope we want to be a selfless follower of Jesus Christ. Because that's what's important. See, all religious observance today, and there's all kinds of religious things being done out there, folks. That's why I, well, what, I don't refer to a relationship with Jesus Christ as being religious, folks. It's a relationship. It's a faith walk. It not, has nothing to do with religion. Nothing to do with religion. Religion is something man made up. But all religious observance today is focused on the actions, not the attitudes. See, they try to declare their own self-righteousness by man's traditions, by man's teachings, and not by God's teaching of his word. And so that's what Jesus is, is, is doing here. And so what we need to understand is that our attitudes that are internal, they affect who we are. Your attitude can either be of the flesh, selfish, or of the spirit, selfless. And it's going to affect who you are. Now, when we look at, at, at this passage of Scripture through the end of the chapter, there's going to be a, a phrase that you're going to hear a couple times. It says, ye have heard, in verse 21, ye have heard that it was said by them of old time. You're going to hear that phrase done three or four times through the end of the chapter. And well, basically what's, what's going on, that marks a, a, a theme of those five or six verses. And then when you hear that phrase again, that's a new theme that Jesus is teaching, a different attitude that he's teaching about. And so you can go through it and you can mark it. And so that's why verses 21 through 26 are all grouped together. I've heard pastors preach sometimes, and even I've preached sometimes before I understood this, that some of these are just different. But no, this is all about, this, these seven verses are all about the same thing. And so when we look at verse 21, it says... You've heard that it is said by them of old time, Thou shalt not kill, and whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. Now, again, the context here goes all the way down to verse 26, but I don't think you want to be here for two hours. So I've broken it up into three different messages that, you're going to, that we're going to relate to. And, and so uh, I could have done two, but there was no good spot to divide it off on verse 22. So... And so the first sin that we're looking at here that Jesus is going to teach about as he expands the law of God, okay, and explains it, is the sixth commandment of the Ten Commandments that Moses brought down from Mount Sinai 
of Exodus 20, verse 13, thou shalt not kill. Now, I'm not going to go into this word kill. I'll tell you simply it means murder, okay? Plain and simple. Kill means, refers to murder, premeditated murder, okay? And so Jesus is teaching, when he gets to this, that anger and murder are one and the same. So I've kind of given you the end of the message up front, Okay? Just so we know, there's no, there won't be any kind of sliding this in or there, but he's referring to anger and murder are the same sin in God's eyes. Now, let me go through and explain how Jesus gets to that point, and because it really is. So I want you to think about this. Whenever someone says, well, I'm a good person, Right? Have you heard someone say that? Maybe I've said that. You've said that at some point. I'm a good person. After all, I haven't murdered anybody like people in prison. I'm a good person, right? When someone says that, what are they referring to? They're referring and comparing themselves to that person in, in jail who actually committed the act of murder, right? Otherwise, they're saying, I am more righteous than they are based on man's standard, right? That's what they're saying. But is that true? See, it's all based on a person's own selfishness or self-righteousness. And again, this is what Jesus now has begun to teach his disciples through the end of this chapter, that they have to confront all the self-righteousness that's been taught to them from the scribes and Pharisees. It goes back to verse 20 of our text that we learned about. When Jesus said, But I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter the kingdom of heaven. So anything is based upon our self-righteousness is going to lead to hell. We have to understand that. Okay? So, we need to understand what Jesus is teaching. Now, John got it right in 1 John 3.15. Look what he says. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. Wow, that's pretty self-explanatory, don't you think? And ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Those are pretty hard words. John is, is more bold than I, I would say. Um, so the outward sinful action is, is murder, right? The act of actually killing someone, murdering them. But the inward sinful attitude that John listed here is hate. That's inward, hate. See, hatred is the first inward attitude required in order to commit murder. You have, to, you have to devalue the person you're going to murder to the point that you don't even consider them even worth anything. And this is what Jesus is teaching. Now we find in God's word, when we look at these, these words, Proverbs 14, verse 17, it says, He that is soon angry dealeth foolishly, and a man of wicked devices is Hated. Well, okay. 
Now we have foolishly in there, someone who's acting foolishly. Now what happens when someone usually acts foolishly? Do you just wake up, I'm going to act foolishly today? No. Something with inside you has to take control. Usually, it could be lusts of some kind of desire, a wrong desire, or it could be, as we're talking about here, an uncontrolled anger. An uncontrolled anger. Okay? And that's that uncontrolled anger that leads you, if you let it harbor and, and, and go long enough, to do wrongful actions towards people. And so the attitude of being quick to lose one's temper leads a person to act foolishly by allowing or by following the, and acting upon their hatred. And usually that hatred is the end result. The first result is the anger that has taken place for a period of time. See, nobody just is going to go out and murder someone just, boom, oh, I just feel like doing that today. No. There's a lot of internal motivations that have taken place that they haven't got, gotten control of. See, having foolish internal attitudes leads to foolish external actions of sin. And it's how anger begins to blind us from responding correctly to the Holy Spirit's voice guiding us through life circumstance. See, if we're not living out the Beatitudes of Christ, humbly, meekly, and all those things we've talked about, then sin internally takes place and it begins to dull all that the Spirit of God says to us to the point where we don't even listen to anymore and we're being driven by the flesh. And the flesh says, if we go far enough down, all sin leads to death. Proverbs 16, verse 32 says, he that is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he that ruleth his spirit than he that taketh a city. Now, this slow to anger, that's not something that you're going to find in a follower of self. Someone who is self-righteous, someone who, 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 who is selfish, someone who, who is following after the ways of the flesh, you're not going to find a person that's slow to anger. Because slow to anger, in my opinion, is, is seen as a spiritual trait that God does within us. The Holy Spirit in us helps us to not be quick to respond wrongly, being slow to anger. See, being slow to anger is the Holy Spirit in us, overcoming the sinful urges that anger causes to rise up within us. So slow to anger is the spiritual side of what God is doing in the child of God, saying, oh, don't let that get to you. Get that anger under control. Be slow to anger. And so you can see the truth of the situation. See, anger, uncontrolled, doesn't allow the individual to see the truth of their circumstances. That's a problem. And it's those beatitudes that Jesus talked about 
that's teaching us how to overcome the wickedness of sin. That result in that downward spiral that, that those sinful attitudes and actions will lead us to. And so we, we have to learn to control our anger. It's going to happen. We're, we're in this body. We're in this flesh. Anger is a part of it. Okay? But we need to be able to control it. Jesus said you can be angry, but sin not. There's a place for righteous anger. Christ had righteous anger when he went in and turned over the money changers in the temple and all this kind of things. He did it twice, but he never sinned. And so we're dealing with unchecked anger. See, unchecked anger is foolishness and leads ultimately to hatred. And if you, and if you dwell on that hatred long enough, it leads to murder. Because what, it, what happens, it denies the activity of God in one's, per, in one's life. And again, it results in selfishness, not selflessness. Denying oneself. Jesus says, take up my cross and follow me. See, selfless actions enable us to react according to how the Holy Spirit is leading us in a, in a situation. Because we're not allowing anger to, to, to get to the point of hatred and then we become blind and now that person's not worth anything. They deserve what they get. See, that's the attitude that, that, that takes place within us. Whereas selfish actions are allowing our sinful flesh to control us. And again, it's going to lead us down that dark spiral of sin. Which ultimately could lead to someone else's death or our death. If it goes far enough. And so how many times have you became angry? And said something or, or done something that you wish you could take back? Come on. I have. Yeah. What does that reveal in us? That everything that Jesus is teaching his disciples is true, and if we're not careful, that type of, type of anger could take control. I know of an individual in a church who did that and ended up murdering his wife. Right here in Alaska. It all went down to the point uncontrolled anger, which led, eventually led to hatred. Now, next Sunday's message is going to deal about with those stages. Verse 22 is going to deal with those stages of anger, how it progresses and gets worse and worse. If we don't, what was it, Barney Fife, you say nip it in the bud? I mean, that's what we need some of you older folks to understand that. But anyway, see, David's old. You know, so, but uh, that's what we need to do, folks. We need to do that. See, most people today, even Christians today, do not consider their wrong thoughts as being sinful. Your wrong thoughts are sin. But so many today, well, See, my thought, I, it's okay. I didn't act, I haven't acted upon it. 
But you live long enough in those thoughts, you will act upon them. You will act upon them. See, their whole view of themselves is based upon their own self-righteousness, their own outward appearance. My, my outward appearance looks good. And what did Jesus say about the Pharisees? Unless your, Pharise- unless your righteousness exceeds that of the righteousness of the Pharisees, you can't even get to heaven. See, it's all about debunking self-righteousness. For Samuel... 16 verse 7, is not, we don't have the scripture because I just added this this morning, but it says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see a man as man sees. For the man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. We need to understand things the way God understands things. We need to see ourselves the way God sees us, even as Christians. We need to see ourselves as the Lord sees us. And folks, if we're living by the Spirit of God, then what's going to take place as these Beatitudes, are, the Holy Spirit is confronting us with the attitudes that are wrong in our lives, in our hearts, in our minds, then those things are going to confront our own self-righteousness and we have to repent of those things and walk with God. Failure to repent of those things means we're failing to walk with God. As Christians, as church. And that would have been a great place for an amen out there. But sometimes I think we, we, we listen, but we don't hear because we don't want to hear. And we need to get back to what God's word says. See, we still, I think, believe in that works-based system, although we'll say it, oh, I don't believe in that. But our actions portray, they, they, they portray that what we believe. You want to know what someone believes? Well, just watch what they do and what they say. Oh, I, I don't believe that you worked the way to heaven, but yet everything they do is about that. The truth's the truth. Now we go through life, well, I can control my actions. Tell that to everyone in prison. Tell that to, to people who aren't in prison yet, but yet they're stealing, they're, they're, they're robbing people, they're, they're sinning by uh, all the lusts that are out there, pornography and all these things. Their actions are betraying what they say they believe. It's because they're not living by the Spirit of God and allowing the Holy Spirit to do in them what He wants to do. See, God considers the inward sins just as vile as the outward sins people can see. James 1, 13 to 15 says, let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. Now, that's pretty true. I don't know if you've ever been around so, oh, God's tempting me. No, he's not. No, he's not. What's happening is the Holy Spirit of God is revealing in you 
your own self-righteousness that you're refusing to acknowledge. And so he's allowing situations to come so that you can begin and I can begin to see ourselves as God sees us, wretched sinners. Let's go on to that in James, verse 14. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lusts and enticed. Now, If you're living for God, you're a Christian, and you want to say, oh, how, how good I am. Now, we may never say that and never will say it out public, but we may think it. I'm better than so-and-so. How many of us, when, when, when we want to justify our actions, we sit there and say, oh, well, I'm better. I, I did better than Jesus would have done. Uh, you don't hear that, do you? No, you hear, well, I'm better than that person over there. Or I'm better than what the, well, look what the preacher did over here. Well, look what the deacon did. Or look what the son did. I did better in that situation than they did. We always want to compare someone to somebody else that we can pat ourselves on the back. That's self-righteousness. But if we were to compare ourselves to Jesus, we'd see how far short we fall. See, we're tempted by our own lusts. And that word lust there is a reference to a wrong desire. Now, lust can be a good thing. You can have lust after God's word. Lust those can be good. But here, lust is a wrong desire. It's a wrong desire. And it's your own lust, not somebody else's. It's yours. You've got to lay claim to it. That's mine. We can't deny it. But you notice, up to this point, sin has not taken place in your mind yet. That's the truth of this passage of Scripture. Yes, tests, trials, and tribulations, tests are going to come. But, verse 15, then when lust hath conceived, ah, it brings forth sin. Where does sin get conceived? Right here. Right here, in your mind. Because you've dwelt upon that lust. You begin to plan it out. Whatever that lust may be, makes no difference. Now, in this case, we're dealing with anger. You had the anger towards somebody because of some, whatever they did, it doesn't make a difference. But you've allowed that anger to continue to fester, to be kindled, to burn. See, it's conceived. That anger now is leading in your mind has become sin. And that's what Jesus is teaching and is talking about. So when lust hath conceived, it brings forth sin. And now sin, when it's finished, now this is where that lust in your mind, you continue to dwell upon it, continue to fester it, continue to put sticks on it. What's going to happen? It's going to burn brighter, and then all of a sudden it becomes an outward action. Now you're going to say something. Now you're going to do something toward that individual, and that's what we're going to get into next week in verse 22. But what we're dealing with here, this first part, anger starts in your mind, and it needs to get put in check in your mind 
before it is conceived into sin. And when it's finished, it brings forth death. You dwell on it long enough, it will destroy your life and possibly somebody else's. What's a simple example? Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel. God was warning Cain about the hatred that was coming up in his thoughts toward Abel because God accepted Abel's sacrifice and rejected Cain's sacrifice. And since Cain couldn't do anything against God, he had to focus his anger and hatred toward Abel. So that's what sin does. That's what it does. Let's look at Genesis 4. I'm going to begin verses 5 through 8. They'll have a few uh, verses. but Verse 5 says, But unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. Now listen here. And Cain was wroth, that means angry, and his countenance fell. Now the Lord comes in. When he sees that in, in Cain, had Cain done any actions? None. All of this was in his mind. Verse 5 is all in Cain's mind, and God sees it. And God comes down. See, this is this right here is James 1, 13 to 15, that James is talking about right here in, in Genesis 4. And so in verse, in verse uh, 6, And the Lord said to Cain, look at these two questions. Why art thou wroth? Now that word wroth is anger. But it's a burning, kindling anger. And as the Lord asked Cain, why are you such so angry? Why are you so angry? You know, Cain never does give, give a proper response. And then he says in verse 6, the second question, and why is thy countenance fallen? Now, countenance refers to one's internal attitudes that they have changed. Now, how can our internal attitudes change? Well, we, I think we understand that. As Christians, our attitudes toward God are, and living in the Spirit, but all of a sudden sin comes in and we fall in our countenance before God. Even before we've done any outward actions, our countenance has fallen. And this is what God is telling Cain. Cain, look, your anger, because I rejected your offering, is not because I love Abel more than I love you. No, it's because you didn't obey. You got to deal with sin first before I receive grain offerings, which are praise and thanks, being offers of thanks. Our sin has to be dealt with. See, Cain was saying, well, I'm good enough. Lord, you should take these because I'm good enough. Self-righteousness, all the way back to Cain and Abel. Okay? That's what you see. And you notice, Cain doesn't give any response to God. And then the Lord warns Cain, just like we have up in James 1, what we talked about, if the lust goes unchecked, it will be conceived and it ultimately results to death. Verse 7, If thou dost well, shall, not, shall thou not be accepted? And if thou dost not well, sin lieth at the door. 
That's what happens with uncontrolled anger. You don't deal with it. Sin is at the door waiting to pounce, waiting to get its foot in the door of your life. It's just waiting. And then, and unto thee shall be his desire. Now, oh, desire. There's that word. That's a lust. But again, this is a wrongful lust. This is a sinful desire. And since Cain couldn't do anything against God, because if he could have, he would have. He said, well, I can hurt God by, oh, I'll take out Abel. What's been going on in the world ever since? Those that, are obeyed, that obey God, are faithful to God, are persecuted by the world. Because the world can't touch God, but they can touch us. That's what happens. That's what Cain's doing. His shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. And otherwise, you're going to kill him. And he did. And Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field. Wow. We don't know how, how, how many days this was at later. I have a feeling it was probably a little bit of time. And Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him. That's why Jesus said, Thou shalt not kill, and whoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. Murder and anger are the same sin. Thank you for tuning into the podcast of Grandview Baptist Church in Anchorage, Alaska. For more information, visit our website at gbcak.org.